Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? Back and better than ever, Hollywood Brunettes, Danimal. So good to have you back. Uh, guys say, baby Izzy. I know last time we discussed what the first wrestling move you were going to uh, introduce her to was. What? Let's the next phase which ring entrance do you think you're going to emulate first in front of your daughter who in front of her that's I'm trying to think because I, I feel like it's going to have to be one of the more high energy things because I, I i think any of the slow moving stuff would be a little too uh a little too dull for ultimate warriors a bit much i think if i just charged at her it, it could be something terrifying <laughs> so Ooh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm trying to think of someone who just has a lot of like gestures, you know, a lot of like pumping up the crowd stuff. I, I was just going to say, like, for me, I, I don't have children, obviously, but but I have it bookmarked. It's either going to be Mike Shawn Michaels or Hulk Hogan. Like, those are just, I think, just the quintessential like ring entrances that every child should be familiar with at some point growing up in America. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty great one, especially because with Hulk, you got a lot you got a lot of pointing and gesturing. So, you know, we can get a little a little mimic going on because, you know, to be fair today, I was we're working on rolling, you know, her learning to roll from her stomach onto her back. And I've definitely reached the point where I'm like laying on the ground face to face with her and then like rolling over. And lo and behold, she's emulated. So I'm really I'm really feeling good from some of the. uh, Yeah, the. The first time she gives a suck it to her mom is probably going to get me in some hot water. But, uh, you know, these things are just going to happen to the uh, daughter of a wrestling podcaster. I do love that, too, the gradual buildup. Like, you're already teaching her how to kick out. So, you know, soon enough, what did we say, 2034, our women's champ? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get her going and just be a question of, yeah, what the... Well, depends how big she gets, you know. Is it, is it the Charlotte Flair move set, or are we going more like Alexa Bliss? <laughs> Excellent. All right. So it's been a while, but we just came off the heels of a WWE pay per view, which means I didn't watch, but you certainly did. So I, I'm dying to hear Elimination Chamber because I'm going to preface with saying I'm dangerously close to falling off the edge and, and going back to WWE full time at this point. So what am I missing out on currently? Oh, man. I mean, we, you know, I may as well start with the big one, and that's that Sammy and Roman absolutely tore it down. I mean, Sammy in Montreal, it was about as big a pops as I can see. Um, Roman may have the greatest kickout because those false finishes – he was getting that shoulder up so late, but it was never the like, oh, did did they get it? Like, was this a botch? Like, he somehow just knows everything. So that that was great. The uh, the Usos came back into play, and we had the, you know, oh, I'm not, you know, I think it was uh, Jay who wasn't going to hit him, and then Sammy gets him on accident. So just some classic storytelling, but phenomenal match. Um, Roman retained. The march to WrestleMania continues. There are... Maybe teasing KO and Sammy coming back to challenge for the tag belts, which would just be great use for all parties involved. And I mean, KO and Sammy is about as cream of the crop as you can get. Those guys have the ultimate like 
we should be tired of them like enough with the Sammy and KO thing, but they, you know, they're like a reality TV couple. It's just like every season can end with them getting back together or breaking up and I'm going to tune right back in. It's like the OC for wrestling fans. That's <laughs> a great comparison. And I was going to say, like, I, I loved everything with Sammy. Now he's been elevated. And um, I think it's so wise because that's something that like you're seeing on the other side with AEW where one of their biggest fatal flaws is they get so hung up on individual talent that when something occurs and they can't utilize said talent, they they freeze. Or, you know, like the biggest example I can think of is Jade Cargill. Pretty much it seems blaringly obvious that she's going to drop that title to Chris Statlander whenever she's back. But in the interim, they don't know what to do with her. So they just keep plodding along. But I I was just to come back to WWE, I was going to say with Sammy, I love that they're elevating him and, and building towards something, like you said, like a potential match with the Usos. But if something happens with, with um, Cody and maybe he's not available come WrestleMania, where you do have a viable backup plan in place, which I think is just super wise on Triple H's part in that regard. Yeah, and I think the other great thing about it is that it's kind of legitimized Sammy as being a guy that could be a title contender. And I think that's really exciting because it it would be one of those deals where it's like once Roman's, you know, reign, for lack of a better word, is over, you know, you may not put the belt on Cody for three years. And it may be that, you know, come SummerSlam, you want to pop, you know, the smart crowd, which is what they always say SummerSlam's for. And maybe Sammy does take the belt or if you decide that you know with the new tv deal coming up if if you end up splitting the title to keep one on each show again maybe sammy picks up a belt because now we believe that he belongs on the stage so that that was really good um next item is uh in the women's division uh elimination mat elimination chamber match oscar kind of ran rough shot over the field they've kind of repackaged her and given her the like kind of unhinged but in the like more of a joker way where it's like she's crazy but she's also super precise and technical so she's really violent again they're putting her up against bianca belair which i think is good because she's kind of been on this really high level and beating everyone but i think oscar kind of has that like this you know that once again i'll keep going with the joker it's like you know this may be a competitor you don't entirely understand so I'm I'm really intrigued for Mania to see if Oscar could actually take the belt off Bianca and give her a real foil because when she lost it last time to Becky it was kind of this she's back quick slam oh wow but I think the idea of you know this uber athlete Bianca coming up against this intense striker and then maybe having to kind of have like I guess we'll go for like a rocky moment you know the clubber was hungrier and he beat you and now you know you're a little scared to get back in the ring so that's another bit of storytelling that, you know, they're really putting the women's division, Oscar, who's just an all world performer into great use. Well, I was going to say too, I think that's such a cool way to do it too, where, um, because you mentioned the smarts and, and clearly now with triple H kind of back at the helm of directing things. Like I think that especially having a year of kind of really observing what AEW did well and kind of adjusting how they're booking as a result. And Asuka comes with such a pedigree, like with her experience overseas in Japan. So uh, it's so much more interesting because you're right. Bianca Belair is off the charts, athletic and amazing talent. Hall, of, You know, she's arguably already making a case for the Hall of Fame and she's very, very early into her career. But 
you're seeing too that you know that wrestling fans are now have access to more worldly views on what wrestling consists of and i think introducing somebody who can offer some of that strong style japanese style or just you know a little more unhinged challenge to just the classic like becky lynch for instance who's just a very overall talented gifted athlete as well going heads up with her so that that's smart booking i I like that a lot yeah and then the the men's chamber told us a couple things um one i'm not sure how familiar you are with him right now but uh montez ford who is bianca's husband he kind of had to like show out in the chamber uh match man is just the next level athlete um and then he got eliminated you know he wasn't going to take the and it was interesting because it was for the u.s title because with the united belts they kind of had to get creative um but austin theory won again which i i gotta say he's growing on me is kind of the like the young guy that once again they kind of want me to hate him and then it's like yeah he's too young and too handsome and too muscular like it's like wait a minute what, what do i have against this guy that's wrestling related but uh, so he retained, but then uh, the Paul brother, I think it's Logan, I think, yeah, I um, he uh, he came and cost Seth the uh, the match. I got to say, uh, he he did kind of the coast to coast into Ricochet at the Rumble that I'm sure you saw the uh, the highlight of, which was impressive. Yeah. And now he's hitting a buckshot lariat. Really? And it looked it looked pretty fucking good. It wasn't the CM Punk. <laughs> No, if anything, I, I would say the one thing is like I think his flip over the rope is actually I think a little better than Hangman's. But the thing is that he then lands a bit more flat and kind of like explodes off of the flip, whereas I think Hangman does a better job of kind of having it be like a momentum thing. But yeah. all told, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a quick peek because once again, it's a case of you know this guy that you know quote unquote isn't a wrestler who has now proven that he can do the uh, the three amigos suplexes, the frog splash, the coast to coast, and now a buckshot. So, and he's set up to. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, years ago when we started this thing, like Bad Bunny being able to develop into a pretty solid talent with, you know, putting in a few months in, in the training facility. And, and I know, you know, Logan for, for lack of a better descriptor, he is pretty athletic. So, you know, you take a naturally athletic, you know, person who's been delving into amateur boxing or what have you and and put him through that ringer. I mean, you're kind of seeing the results. And uh, that that's impressive moveset. I mean, I have to say, like, you could be a pretty decent mid-card talent with just that alone um, in the indie circuit for certain. So, um, yes. So then uh, you pair that with the fact that he's going in against Seth, who has really become, I, you know, I've, I've been a Rollins fan for a long time, and uh, he's really become that a guy that transcends the belt, which is, you know, I know he's been around for a while, but at the same time, that's more of like an Undertaker Brock kind of thing. So to be at the point now where just wrestling Seth at WrestleMania, you know, getting the Seth spot. It's pretty impressive, and I think they're going to, you know, that's going to be, I guess, once again, you know, seal his line, burn it down. But I think those guys are going to tear the house down because Seth could, you know, he could put on a good match with me. So you give him someone with some talent, and I think I think we're in for something special. That That's an impressive booking. Um, you know, it's 
it'll certainly generate a lot more attention and why not put more attention on arguably the most talented wrestler you have on the roster. So, um, and I think that is cool that how they've used Seth in that regard where, cause you're right. Like the, it's almost criminal how little that guy has held title belts, given how great he is. Um, you know, he, he's easily in my top three of active wrestlers right now. Um, and so, yeah, putting him up with, you know, the most viral athlete on your roster. I mean, it, it'll be good to get some eyes on him with maybe some of the more casual fans. So um, interesting booking, but I'll, I'll take it. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, then I'd say outside of that, kind of the, the last match of note that really popped a little bit was they had Judgment Day with uh, Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor against uh, Edge and Beth, which was it's just fun to see, especially because I, I really love seeing Beth wrestle some of the women now because you just feel like she's got to kind of be like uh, some of these like NBA players who like, you know, big men who shot like a three or two, but then just got like demolished by Shaq. And now they're just like, man, if I had played in today where it's like Beth was stuck as this like uber athletic, powerful woman who it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to beat like the fitness model. And, you know, here she is wrestling Rhea Ripley, who's like, an equally impressive like you know physical woman who can really like throw down so that that was a fun match uh that looks like they're setting up edge and uh finn for mania and then uh you know Rhea's going after charlotte but that that was just fun because like i said you know you're looking at two two great people and you know edge at least got some some big some big feuds and moments but it was it's great to see beth getting a little shine and once again one of these cases of just like you know, my God, a mother or two who's still, you know, in ring shape and can put on a match like this. Like, you know, that's that's just the tip of the cap to the the WWE and their their roster of, you know, mothers who can beat up the majority of the men in the audience. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it sucks that like it's taken this long for for I think some folks to realize how great she was, but because she was just so leaps and bounds ahead of so much of the other talent on the roster during her kind of prime years. So I'm actually really glad that they bring her back and give her a chance to really showcase. And and like you said, it's even more impressive the older I get when my knees hurt getting out of bed in the morning or getting a cup of coffee. And then like to see somebody who's a similar age, like being able to go out there who's had two children uh, giving birth to two children and being able to put on a show like that. Uh, that's impressive. Yeah. So I think, I think that's about it. I mean, the, the road to WrestleMania is it's full speed ahead and it's, it's looking like a great, uh, a great card. So yeah, I would say that, you know, come, come that time, you'll have two nights to, to dabble in some matches and worst case scenario, I can give you the, the must watches, but yeah, it's, it's continuing to be a really great time to uh, be a WWE fan. Yeah. I was just going to say on that, Danimal, I am very, very, I'm on that precipice. I, I'm not going to lie. Like AEW, it, it's a real shame. We went to that live show in, in Seattle uh, to start the new year and, it seems from that point on, it's just kind of going downhill, man. <laughs> like it, it's a real bummer, but I, and I really am appreciating more and more what WWE is putting out there. It's, it's just uh, the difference in the energy level is just amazing to me. And, and the biggest, the biggest rumor I caught, and mind you, it's some crap I probably saw on Reddit or online, but, um, but Kenny Omega's contracts coming up. And supposedly it would be up if uh, not for the injuries. So I know that there's some some stipulation because a lot of time these contracts, they 
delay the the length of service based on if you're out with injury and on but in his case it's a unique one because he's also a director so in theory he was working that entire time he was hurt so um you know i kenny omega you know he's again speaking of top three favorite wrestlers currently and you know if he were to go to wwe i mean i know he's spoken ill of him in the past but now's the time because he's 40 years old you're not gonna get another opportunity and if you want to talk about a guy who could headline a or not headline but put on a hell of a show with a seth rollins or something like that on a big stage like a wrestlemania that'd be quite the feather in your cap to to finish your career so i'm starting to get a little worried about that one danimal yeah, I think I, I've I've definitely heard some of the same rumors. Um, one thing that I've also found interesting was they're kind of bringing up that it feels like uh, he's kind of getting buried a little bit in the trios division, which is an interesting kind of like we we don't want to create too much smoke by just having Kenny off TV, but we also don't want Kenny to be in you know th- the middle of some massive feud with MJF or you know Hangman or brian danielson so we'll just we'll just keep him you know showing up on shows and wrestling some matches but yeah i think i think you make a great point i think cody's uh defection certainly probably you know has proven that it's like hey if you come over you know you're gonna you're gonna get a pop you're gonna get good booking and you know i continue to feel like at some point they're probably gonna split the belts again i just think with uh media media deals coming up you know everyone loves to have the ability to split those titles so yeah i kind of wonder if you know if he goes over immediately jumps into the title picture you got two belts and then yeah i mean just thinking about some of the matches i mean there's just so much talent wwe right now and you know the way that their roster shifted too i don't think you have the same issue that you would have had before where it would be you know randy orton and similar sized guys you know you could have him against the set you know he'd be bigger than finn balor you know him and cody obviously are similar so yeah i see what you're saying that you know triple h at the helm i think you could very easily do you know oh all respect to you know vince mcmahon and what he did but as far as you know booking went i didn't feel like i fit with his style but now that you know hunter's in charge it it feels like a place i could really succeed and you know you just wonder how many times after you've done the Tokyo Dome and, you know, some of these smaller shows, you kind of wonder what it would feel like to have that 100,000 person stadium going, going nuts for you. So, yeah, I think I think it's a very interesting thing. I think that, uh, you know, WWE is really proving that they can run a lot of storylines with and without belts, which I think is, you know, something we've kind of talked that AEW feels to kind of struggle with from time to time so yeah i think uh, i think kenny jumping could be very interesting you know we'll talk about the uh the revolution card but you know he's i I don't even think the trios belts are mentioned on it right now i mean i wouldn't be shocked if they got thrown in there just because you're probably going to get a great you know spot fest but they aren't advertising that's kind of surprising yeah not yet Uh, i agree i have a feeling they'll pop up in in just kind of a last minute addition but but yeah everything you said is dead on and and the other thing i keep thinking in the back of my mind is like while the the road to wrestlemania is amazing and it sounds like there's some pretty cool matches already set you know in order here for this year's edition um you know 40 is gonna be huge and with that it's you know again like when you just like look at like the construct of things, like I can think of matches that would all just fall into place based on where we're currently at. It would make sense. I mean, 
say Roman doesn't hold belts anymore, that opens it up to have, you know, Dwayne Johnson come back and face him where there's no title on the line and on a WrestleMania stage. Kenny Omega and Seth Rollins may be like the greatest show of, of all time in a wrestling ring, let alone at a WrestleMania. And then let alone, you're not even considering like you got to have a legacy guy. So I'm sure they'll drag Brock out to face somebody or something along those lines. There's always a potential for a Cena, you know, with this new Sammy and KO thing going like they can do all sorts of things with those guys. And then you still have like so many other amazing talents that they're cultivating. So but just as kind of like a tribute to almost wrestling as a whole, like I think it's a no brainer if they have the funds and they certainly do. So um I, I I wouldn't blame the guy for doing it. Like I, I really love the energy he brought to AEW and I love, you know, some of the early on when he was more featured. Um I hate it now that he's part of this trios because he's really just kind of removed from everything and, and I don't think it conveys how great he is. And um and I really do. Like I think you just said it best. Like I think that I would love to see him just that one time get that in-ring entrance with one of his crazy over-the-top either Terminator gimmicks or one-wigged angel Final Fantasy rip-off entrances and just kind of see what a 100,000 people screaming sounds like for once. So, um, yeah, I, I'm all for it, to be honest. And and even if it may be the, the death of my current favorite, uh, AEW. So... But with that, you know, we like you said, there is a pay-per-view on the horizon here. So since I have you, we may as well run through it and I kind of gauge where you're at in terms of kind of the talent pool and what matches are here to play. They only do four a year, so it's kind of a big deal. So um, let's start off. We'll kind of go from the ground upward and see where we're at. So starting off with Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho. I don't know if you saw, but there was the stipulation previously on Dynamite where you had to face where Ricky Starks was going through the Jericho Appreciation Society and had to run the gauntlet. Um, there's some shenanigans involved, and now the Jericho Appreciation Society is banned from ringside. So who do you got in this one, Daniel? You know, this one's really interesting to me because I want Starks. I love Starks. But there seems to have been this weird thing that Jericho seems to keep winning some of these feuds against young talent. Like, it's it's not quite the, like, I won't say, like, I think Cena did kind of have a, a push-killing quality for a while, whereas Jericho, it's like he puts guys over and does great all throughout a feud, but then he just, like, always wants to win the blow-off. You know, like that X that just has to get the last word in. Um, but I think with that, I think Ricky is just... I think he is poised for such big things that I think I think they'll let him let him win this. Um, though I guess the, with this being the second match, it may be that you know maybe they drag this feud out for another couple months. But I, I think I'll, I'll go with Ricky just because it feels like this is getting pretty stale. You, I don't really know where you go after the the Jericho gauntlet. It's like you know we, we've seen that, and now you know what do you do for three months? So I'll, I'll go with Ricky just because I think he's they're keeping him in the warmer. I, I agree with you. I my issue with this one, other than it being kind of a boring idea, is the fact that when you ban the Jericho Appreciation Society from ringside, it kind of eliminates any like level of intrigue to me because if it's just a straight up match, there's no way that Starks doesn't crush Jericho, who's already showing some of that post cruise weight back weight gain coming back. But 
in addition to that, like, it's such a bummer because the one thing that, like, still always ticks me off is that, like, even though, like, they've all done very well for themselves individually, they split up Team Taz right before they announced the trios division. And this would have been a golden opportunity to kind of, like, have them reunite just because they clearly don't know what they're doing with Hook or Powerhouse Hobbs at the moment. So, you know, yeah. I think that the level of intrigue you could have had, had, you know, it's one of those things where the Jericho Appreciation Society, you know, is, is screwing up the match for Ricky and then having, like, a Hobbs come in and clear house and then a Hook come in and clear house would be so much more fun and, and just appeal more to the fan base. But instead... I think we're just going to get a plotting match where one very athletic, gifted, like up and comer is just going to have to crush an old man who's probably destined for the announcer's table very soon here. Um, so, yeah, that's that's not a great booking, in my opinion. and It sucks. Yeah, really, the only thing that I, I guess would be my concern is whenever you hear a group is banned from ringside, it feels like when you get the new member or something along that line, unless they want to like reheat Hobbs or something like that and set up Ricky's next feud, because this is, you know, they've done the whole like Jericho in a mask thing. So there's kind of the like, could Starks get, you know, punched with some brass knucks by some mystery person. And then we spend two or three weeks finding out that was kind of my, my biggest thought of if, if Ricky loses, I think it's either the newest member of the Jericho Appreciation Society or just the next feud. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Starks in a straight up match. But yeah, I could see this one getting a little goofy. I was going to say, too, given like the current state of things, I, I almost would lean heavily in the if I were a betting man, I would say that it's Action Andretti who fits that mold of the, the person who comes out and like wax them with Floyd or something, which, by the way, the Action Andretti thing. I don't know how many wrestling video games you played as a kid, but all I could think of the few times that it was him and Starks, like on the microphone talking to Jericho Appreciation Society, was when you make a shitty creator wrestler character that like has like the crappiest gimmick going and like just all the canned wrestling responses you get when you're doing like the mic skills portion or just like cheesy lines like, no, I will beat you up later at the pay-per-view. It was it's just so embarrassing and so weird. Yeah, that, that it's kind of like you rushed through. You just wanted to get to like the actual like, you know, road to WrestleMania or whatever. So it's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, no modifications. You have stock, standard, standard, standard. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it's like a tick, <laughs> TikToker in 80s wrestling apparel, whatever. 100%. All right, next one, we got AEW Women's World Championship match. Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho. Who you got in this one, man? You know, this this one I'm picking from the heart in that it's way too early to take the belt off Jamie. I think that the, the, obvious, uh, the obvious thing is to eventually have her and Britt go at it. So I, I feel like we we need to just keep it on Jamie. The crowd is so, so hot for her. Like, she's really talented in the ring. I caught up on a, last night's Dynamite, and she she's getting more and more comfortable on the mic. Um, and I just think that you can, once again, I think you can actually do a reasonable storyline of this AEW originals versus WWE imports with Ruby kind of being like the one in the middle and you don't need the belt in that. And I think if you take the belt off Jamie and give it to either of them, it's just going to muddy that good feud. And I do also love just the subtlety of like Ruby kind of being like, 
well, you were in WWE too, but you've got tattoos, so they never really liked you. So you're just the in-between person because they just gloss over the fact that like she really should be in this other faction. But it's like, no, no, you're friends with Eddie Kingston, so you can't have been that much of a WWE person. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that. And I, I'm with you. Like, um, I'll, I'll say that in terms of the women's division, like nobody's hotter than Ruby Soho right now. Um, just in terms of like, she hasn't been beaten. She's actually like come back with a vengeance from the injury, except for Jamie Hayter, who looms the largest. And, and you're right, it'd be criminal to take the belt from her this soon. And uh, they need to figure out something to do that makes Soraya interesting. Because quite frankly, she doesn't really bring nearly as much as I think they had hoped. Um, you know, that the talent's still there. I mean, it's there's going to be some rust, obviously, after that kind of an injury. But um, but I think that you open up so many more possibilities, like you were saying, kind of the setting up the Ruby Soho, uh, you know, Soraya, Tony Storm, whatever angle versus taking the belt from Jamie Hayter and then having to force that Britt Baker showdown sooner than than it needs to. All right, next match, we have a AEW TNT Championship match, Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. I'm excited for this. I mean, this is just a good old-fashioned Haas match, and it's especially for, you know, AEW, because it's like they've only caught five or six Haases, really, so to get probably two of the biggest ones. um, I did love, like, this slight, like, big show boss man like you know relation to my dad thing that it was kind of like you know i guess as a long-haired gentleman i like the idea of just like finding you know it's like hey tony like i'm thinking of cutting my hair but i i want to like have it mean something so can we work it into the storyline and then it's like oh yeah sure we'll just have joe chop it off in the ring so no, I'm. I, I think I'm reasonably excited for this, and it, it feels like this is going to be Wardlow. And I got to say, I, I'm intrigued to see because that powerbomb symphony kind of he does a bit of that like deadlift powerbomb. So I'm really curious to see if he's able to uh, to get Joe up for that thing because that is you know you want to talk about you know big men. Joe Joe's tipping the scales on that for sure. I, I Joe like every time I see him, he makes me so happy. He, he's he's crept up the my ranks of favorite wrestlers like all time like much so much in the past few years and he's really the only ring of honor talent that like actually i'm happy that they've managed to utilize an aew and showcase and give him his proper dues um so i while i agree completely i warlow needs to take this one just because you can't suppress that guy like he's actually on a pretty good trajectory here and um you know, it, it was good to see him kind of removed from uh, the mic skills that we saw the first time they let him talk with when he was part of the pinnacle. So now um, it, it's night and day. So he, he's poised for big things. I think that they need to really get behind that. And um, and yeah, I, like I said, I think Samoa Joe's in a position where he can drop that and still has a lot going for him because I believe he, he'd still have the Ring of Honor uh, TV title as well. So. Um, next match, Texas Death Match, John Moxley versus Hangman Page. You know, this is this one bums me out because this feels like such a I like the guys involved, but I just don't care. Um 
I think that it's continuing like the Moxley. I just feel like they don't entirely know how to handle. It's like the crowd loves him, but like it almost, I'm trying to think maybe back to like the Hogan days when it's like, it's a face, but he just does like heel shtick. It's like Hogan would rake the back and like eye gouge, but he was the good guy. And Moxley's just like bloodying people and choking them out and like biting their faces. But then he's got this like fun theme song. And so everyone roots for him. Like, you know, he concusses Adam Page and now he's just like beating up Dark Order members, but he's kind of a face. So yeah, this one's just weird to me. I think I think Paige will get it just because I think he, he continues to need it. I feel like he's one of those guys that it's like, I guess with baseball season coming, it just reminds me of so many failed Mariners where it's <laughs> like you feel like, you know, he's got the talent and he came up through the, you know, the minors and everything on paper seems ready to go and we're going to put him in a spot to succeed but then something's just not quite working. And, you know, I think with Paige, maybe it just like these Mariner teams of old where we take, you know, our, our best young hitter and then put him in like the three hole and watch him struggle. Um, you know, Paige is just like the, he had the short title run. I think that the, the him and Omega thing really kind of got screwed up by injuries. And, you know, now I think they just want to get him back. And, you know, Moxley's, you know, like I said, he's he's doing heel shit and he's still super over. So I think, you know, he's he's one of these bulletproof guys that, you know, the two of them can beat the hell out of each other, bloody the hell out of each other. And then I guess the best thing with Moxley is that that's like the gimmick. Like <laughs> someone can almost kill him and then it's like, yeah, you know, I like this guy. You know, I don't drink beer anymore, but I drink a cold one with you any day. And then everyone just kind of like kumbaya it. So I guess, you know, that's like the face ending where they, they shake bloodied hands and raise their arms and it's, it's over. So I'll, I'll go with Paige. But yeah, this is one that I feel like, yeah, I'm just not as excited for the match as I should be with so much talent. And you know what should be a fun stipulation, but it seems like they throw this shit out a little, a little too frequently. Yeah, no, there's, I always bring it up, but there was, there was one, a joke that Tina Fey made when she was doing a weekend update on Saturday Night Live, where she just showed a picture of Robert Robert De Niro playing an electric guitar, and she's like, "Robert De Niro, one of the greatest actors who's ever lived, total badass. Electric guitar synonymous with total badasses in rock and roll. Robert De Niro playing an electric guitar, eh, just doesn't work." And that's kind of where I'm at with this, too, where it's like, I get it. Like, Moxley likes to bleed, and and you got to use him because he's one of your big, highest-paid guys. Paige, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Paige lately, but he's – this is the first time, I think, where Moxley's actually in better shape than than Hangman Paige, and that's saying something. I think a lot of that is because of the concussion, you know, honestly, but – but he doesn't look great in the ring right now. And so it's hard to really be excited for to see anything on display. It's hard because I think Moxley of all people suffered the most when William Regal left uh, because that whole Blackpool combat club thing is now just funky. It's like now they just kind of hang out together, but it's even weirder because three of them are like fitness freaks who probably like are all vegan diets and, do nothing but work out all day. And then you have this rough and tumble guy who's like from Cincinnati who just kind of folded into the mix. So it just like, it doesn't quite work there. It does. I don't think they know what they're doing with either of these guys. And I think that, like you said, that, that ending just makes too much sense to me. 
Um, and, and I think that's exactly what we're going to get. And, and, you know, I'm sure the fans will love it. Like if you're live in attendance, it's hard not to, they're both very charismatic, great wrestlers, but um, there's not a lot at stake here. So it's hard to get excited for me. Uh, so we move into the AEW Tag Team Championship match. The Guns versus the Acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and then one more team to be announced. What do you got here, Animal? Um, first and foremost, I have to say that when we went to our live show, and I know we covered this, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett won the belts. Briefly. And it was a wonderful swerve because the crowd was so pissed because we were in such disbelief that you would take the hottest act, these homegrown stars with a gimmick that's through the roof, casters, raps, Bowens, and his, you know, Billy Gunn-esque, scissor me daddy ass. It worked. They swerved us. And then they did it again. But this time it was for real. And it kind of made me think of like a show like Punked where it's like funny because like a person's life doesn't fall apart before your eyes. Well, then we watched our wrestling lives fall apart and the guns and it just, it hasn't worked. And it really feels like just a very calculated, like it makes me probably think about all the like financial planners who were really hyping up crypto. And then there was kind of like, no, 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 like this is going to, I know it sounds risky, but trust me. And then there was kind of that moment where it's like, this is going to bounce back. Right. And it's like, yeah, I think, I think it's over. And that's kind of where I'm at with this gun thing where I think, I think that, you know, the, and I'll, I'll make the pick because I think the acclaimed get the belts back because you want to talk big pops. You want to talk, uh, you know, getting the crowd on your side, but I think there's just going to be one of those, like, it's going to have hurt them. Like there's no, there's no way around it that, you know, having a goofy, like one off like that. And the guns aren't good enough at being, heels really like they were great as like secondary heels you know like you always say bebop and rock steady like they're not meant to headline the video game or the movie they're just kind of supposed to be there and like you know getting beat and slipping on banana peels and shit so i i thoroughly disappointed by it and uh yeah i think i think they get the belts back but i think this is just kind of landing as a like you're certainly not helping the guns and, you know, you certainly didn't help the acclaimed by having them drop that. Like you wouldn't do it, you know, have, have FTR take the belts, have the house of black, like, you know, have someone that it feels like, Oh wow. You know, now the acclaimed really have to fight. Not just like, you know, some goofy David Arquette wins the belt bullshit. So, so that raises the interesting question. Who do you think the mystery team's going to be? I'm trying to think. Cause I mean, it's my top two picks that you just named them like i think the one that makes the most sense is ftr if they're available just because at that same show we attended with the guns they did their little stupid segment about hey we beat ftr and and that's their whole justification for being vaunted in vaulted to the top of the the ladder of, of contenders for the tag team titles in the first place so ftr coming back i could actually see taking the titles then but uh, and the other one is House of Black, potentially, um, you know, I don't know which combination of them, but just because, again, those those are talents where it's like, what are you doing with these guys? They're, you know, especially after you thought you lost them, like, you kind of got to give them something here. 
Yeah, I think I think for me the biggest thing is you, you kind of need, and the reason this is why I thought House of Black is I think you kind of need like the physical team because you don't really have that right now. There's no like this guy's running roughshod over everyone. Like right now, I think you know Bowens is probably like the physical specimen of that bunch. And don't get me wrong, the, the man is you know in phenomenal shape and everything, but he doesn't have that, like, how is anyone going to get this guy down? You know, on, on last night's dynamite, they had a big bill was in the ring and, you know, that's the kind of guy. So, yeah. but you know, like if, if Swerve and uh, Keith Lee were still together, I think that would be like a great, you know, pair to throw in there just so that there's that, like, you know, the clear favorite that will have to kind of get taken down. So, yeah, I think, I think if you're right. I think if FTR does come into the match, they, they immediately probably become the favorites just because they're fucking FTR. But I just don't know if you would have their return because it's going to be on another battle Royale to qualify. So I just don't know if we're going to see a uh, FTR comes back triumphantly in a battle Royale. Yeah, no, I I think you're on to something there. And the other thing about it too, though, is like, I I think house of I'm leaning house of black only because the gun when you look at it, it's like between the guns the acclaimed and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, which I can't even say with a straight face. Um, this is almost a borderline gimmick match. I mean, they're they're all just kind of goofballs, so I, I can't really fathom like you know, taking it super serious. Like you almost need like that element of violence or just intimidation, kind of basically what you're referring to in, in some form. It and you know, the easiest way is with like a big imposing figure or the, you know, if if you have some demon worshiping Swedes and Aussies in your back pocket, you may as well unleash them too. So, or Dane or whatever the hell he's from, um, somewhere where they throw vicious kicks. Anyway, so we're coming up to it. The last match that we have currently announced. I'm sure there will be many more announced at Rampage if anybody still watches Rampage, but. AEW World Championship Iron Match, MJF versus Brian Danielson. Who you got here, Danville? Um, I think kind of in the same realm as the Jamie Hayter thing. I think it's just a little too early to take the belt off MJF. I think uh I guess I'm mostly trying to figure out the finish because I think this will be a great match. I think they'll probably be one of the great Iron Man uh, heel moves of MJF cheating in some way to, you know, just grab the chair, beat the hell out of Danielson, lose a fall, and then immediately get a pin, but then have him, you know, fight from under. Um, but I do, at the same time, I think I think it's going to be a really good match. Uh, the one other thing, and I know he's got that movie that he's in, but holy shit, MJF continues to just pour effort into his physique. He uh, he came out for his promo last night. And he's gotten to the point where he's got the dress shirts that are like really fitting like the, the bicep and shoulder and you can't, you can't fake that look. Um, so I think, I think he's going to come out, put up a good match. Uh, I think there'll definitely be a little bit of some underhanded stuff, but I think, uh, I think the the final fall will probably have some kind of chicanery to it, but I think we're also going to get just a lot of really good wrestling because I also think that you know AEW and MJF kind of want to prove that he's shifting away from just the great on the mic, okay in the ring. You know, now he's he's gotten less doughy, and we've always said he kind of performs to his partner, and they got him the probably you know I, I think we've probably talked that you know if it's either Seth Kenny or 
Danielson. I think he got the three best working male wrestlers in the world right there. So giving that, giving him an hour with uh, Danielson, I think is going to be great. But yeah, I think, I think MJF wins to continue because, you know, I think, I think the belt's always better held by a heel. I mean, you were talking about when Kenny was at his peak and we had that belt collector gimmick was, was just spectacular. So yeah, I think, uh, I think MJF doing this and then moving on to something new, but yeah, I think, I think it'll be a great match, but yes, I do. I do feel like there'll be something, something a little fishy about it. I, I just hope they don't go to uh sudden death. I feel like the Iron Man match with sudden death, it's kind of been beaten down a little bit. So I'd like to see maybe like a late one and then him like, surviving in like a, a labelle lock or something as time expires and then maybe the classic like oh you know he started tapping when was it it looks like it's at zero there but we don't know you know maybe something like that so that's 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 my wish and i think that's where i'm going this is too too young of a title reign to uh take it off and i think i think the danielson chasing the belt storyline will become a storyline at some point but they're gonna they're really gonna sell it when they do. It's not just gonna be Tony being able to be like, and this is actually his first, you know, championship reign. I think it'll be more kind of like the Yeslemania where he ends up, you know, really making a point of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I see exactly what you're saying. I think you're right. Um, there's a small part of me though, my gut is also telling me that Danielson doesn't have many years left. And if you're going to put a title on him, this is the time because the one thing MJF has going for him is he still, they let him keep that diamond, diamond, or the whatever, the, the ring as well. So he still has a reason to come out and act like he's big dog around, you know, AEW. But it also frees him up to do whatever promotional cycle he's doing with that movie because I know that they're going to be hyping the hell out of it. So in a way, especially with the way the ratings are going, I think personally the best decision would be to give it to danielson and then have it maybe end with like kenny omega appearing and just giving him the vicious stare down to end the pay-per-view especially because now with adam cole coming back and with kenny omega looming and then you know whoever else like i i just think it would get AEW back to what it was like when it had the energy when we both really dove into it and became super fans but the way it's been going i think you're right and it ticks me off and and i get it because i i also understand that it's very early in mjf's title reign and i i love what he's doing like it's not a matter of me wanting to see him without the belt i just think he's equally as effective without it and i think that danielson the more you end up having him lose matches like these it makes it harder to really push him to get it eventually you know like he kind of still have to do it while he can still put on a hell of a matches and it's still a in wrestling shape and i just see his counter winding down sooner than it appears so um uh, see like i said I, i'm i'm hope i'm assuming you're going to be right and i, I wouldn't be upset because that makes smart booking but i'm hoping we're both wrong here Nah, that that does make a lot of sense and if you're going to give danielson the belt something like an iron man match it's kind of a case for him to really be able to showcase everything he does to to win it so no that that would make a lot of sense so yeah i think Plus, i think it should be interesting the injuries and all that and coming out and claiming like you know something like you said too like you know oh i shouldn't have lost it should have been accounted out because i tapped it you know the time it expired and all that crap so yeah i i I would prefer that, but I really don't think Tony Khan 
and pull the trigger. Okay. All right, man. Well, it's always great to catch up with you and run through some wrestling news. So, you know, we got a pay-per-view ahead here and uh, we'll be back again with more Hollywood Burnett's wrestling podcasts. Thanks for listening. Take care. 